0: Welcome to Money Savage, a savage approach to personal finance. This is George Grumbacher, and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, a strong and powerful Jeremy Hill. Jeremy, are you ready to do this? I'm ready. I love it. Let's do this. Jeremy is the founder and managing partner at JB Capital, a merchant bank offering creative capital solutions to privately held companies. And he is one heck of a nice, charming, handsome guy. Jeremy, I'm excited to have you on. Tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do.
1: Thanks for that charming and handsome thing. Yes, make sure that that, uh, that check for twenty bucks clears. <laughs> uh, well, thanks. I'm excited, George, about sharing a few minutes with you. So, um, yes, I'm I'm founder and managing partner of a company called JB Capital. We're outside of the Seattle area, uh, and we we basically operate like a private version of a commercial bank. So, I make credit investments through growing companies through the country, uh, and so these these are these companies that are. Past the friends and family, mom and dad, rich uncle round of raising money, uh, but they're not yet really to a point to where anybody in New York or London, uh, you know, really cares because most of these guys are looking to write, you know, 50, 100, 200 million dollar checks. And for, you know, George and Jeremy's software business that doesn't need to borrow 100 million, we need to borrow five. There's not a lot of smart guys that want to talk to you. And so uh, hopefully we provide a, a, a very good approach it is to providing creative capital to these companies that are growing, that uh, need somebody with uh, uh, with better experience and, and kind of, you know, down on the ground, helping you grow
0: your business. Got it. And that's you.
1: And that's me. Yeah. At least we hope to be, at least we hope to be doing a good job, which I think we are.
0: And you were, for lack of a better term, inside the belly of the beast for 20 some years.
1: Yeah. And so, you know, my, I think a lot of people have, um, businesses it is for them that you know they wake up and they go to school and you know they go to school and then they go to this university and they get their mba and they work on wall street for a while and then they get into finance and they start their own business and it's you know a very kind of paint by numbers you know after school special or something that you see on lifetime you know right <laughs> <laughs> right um, mine's about the opposite of that right so my mine has been more of a you know go this direction really fast and when you hit something turn right you know and and uh so my business kind of started by happy accident about 20 years ago. And, and I think for a lot of people, um, you, you, you find yourself one day doing one thing and then it kind of evolves and evolves and evolves. And 20 years later, you've got an incredible business, but it surely wasn't what it is that you started. And so that's kind of what happened to our business. So I've spent the last 20 years um, as kind of, you know, chief advisor, counselor, consigliere, big brother, you know, whatever it is that you want to call it. For companies and executives and projects throughout the country. It is that we're Navigating some nuance of a capital markets event some type of problem that they are You know running towards something or running from something and and you know Most of these guys were smarter than their banker or their attorney their CPA their brother-in-law or whatever But they needed some type of advice and counsel to solve Whatever problem and most of those problems somewhere had to do with money somewhere and we just we got really good at that
0: Got it. Nice And so you've got all this wonderful experience. You've experienced some, some success in business and you look around, you say, you know what, I think I can do this better. I think that I can actually deliver on the value that so many people hold themselves out to be delivering, but they don't actually.
1: Yeah. Without question. I think, you know, as, as, Uh, every entrepreneur, regardless of your business, every, every guy, you know, you, you get to a point to where it is that you scratch your own itch, right. And so, or you want to scratch your own itch, right. Solve a problem. It is that you're having. It isn't because likelihood if George is having a problem and Jeremy's having a problem that we're not the only two people on the planet that are experiencing that. And so for me, the frustrations it is that I saw a couple things is so for nearly 20 years, I was kind of the guy in the middle, right. I was the the, the Rosetta Stone, if you will, uh, um, between those folks it is that had capital and those folks that needed capital trying to get everybody to play nice in the sandbox and get a deal together, right? So, um, you know, as an investment banker and advisor like that, we, you know, probably did th- close to three quarters of a billion dollars worth of transaction and mm-hmm. advisory work um, and really enjoyed it. The, the frustration it is that I saw um, and that I started to experience more and more in the last five years is that I would be representing George's software business or, you know, whatever your business does. And we'd go through and, we, you know, we'd go out and we'd have conversations with 40 different companies to get down to five or six different guys. It is that were serious to get to three term sheets to ultimately decide, hey, we're going to get married to so-and-so, you know, whoever it was, Right. And then at the five yard line where we'd be negotiating, you know, uh, the deal and we signed term sheets, it is, it said, Hey, okay, great. It's going to be, you know, 11% capital and this amount of warrants. And here's how we're going to agree to do it. And then we'd get the loan documents. It wasn't 11%, it was 13% and they'd clicked up the warrants and they'd, you know, tweaked one thing or another. And you come back and be like, Hey, Hey, this isn't what we agreed on. Well, you know, we were kind of going through this thing and realized that we needed to maybe price for risk. And and, and mm. it was it was just because they could, nothing in the business had changed outside of the fact is now I've got you pregnant and I'm going to decide what it is that I want to do. Yeah. Right. And these, these entrepreneurs were now in a situation to where it is that they've gone through all this diligence. They've done everything. they paid their deposits. Now they're, you know, 12 months pregnant or something like that. They can't afford to start over. And the guys with the money knew this. And so. The thing that I began to see consistently is that for a lot of investors and professional investors out there, whether they're you know, local guys or Wall Street guys or anything else it is, is that there was almost two different stories it is that you were telling. There was the story it is that you told the street, that you told interviews on Fox and CNBC. There's a story it is that you tell your LPs and the, you know, the fancy stuff on your website and in your pitch deck. And then there's what it is that you do and how that translate daily into the market to the companies that you're either investing in or loaning money to. And oftentimes I was finding more and more consistent that there was a difference in those two stories. And in my mind, the difference in those two stories was 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 uh, a gap in integrity. Right. It was it was a gap in the face. It is that you tell and the person it is that you are. And and for me, I have about zero patience for that. Hmm. And so I saw that consistently um, and it started happening more and more. And then I saw the fact it is that funds, guys it is that were going out and raising money to do one thing or another, um, were raising larger and larger and larger sums of money. And they were raising larger and larger sums of money more often. And then it really got to a point to where it is that, like this year alone, we've had I think 56 new funds that have come out with greater than a billion dollar target on the face. And so if everybody's coming out and raising a billion or two or three or four or five or whatever the number is, right? again, the guys it is that didn't need to borrow 100 million, they needed to borrow five, were kind of left out in the dark. And so um, I saw this kind of you know, gap, I guess, if you will, for folks it is that needed real you know, experience behind them in helping them grow their business and access to capital of doing so. And, and as people were raising larger and larger sums of money, that benefits the manager, right? It has nothing to do with the portfolio company. Because if I'm getting 100 or 200 basis points on managing 10 billion dollars, my Cocoa Krispies are pretty fucking crisp, regardless of what <laughs> happens to my portfolio company, right? You know, sorry, right? This call, right? I'll I'll stick to decaf before the next call, but right, it's, you start seeing this, and I, and and ultimately what was happening to the investors and what it is that they were getting and then what was being delivered to to the portfolio company. I just didn't like the way that it was being done. And so, uh, you know, I had my Popeye moment, right, where you've had all you can stands and you can't stands no more, and I'm just like, this is is enough. And so um, a little bit better than a year ago, we made the decision to move out of the middle and to do from a principal position what I've been doing for large investors now for 20 years. And so now that all of our investments are coming off my personal balance sheet and our investors' balance sheet, um, and candidly, the response has been,
0: fantastic so nice well that all makes sense to me at least at least conceptually speaking that you would get fed up at at some point and recognize that there's flaws and that there's an opportunity in the market and that there's all these all these probably wonderful companies and businesses that are just sort of in that middle phase where they're not getting served um so for them it seems like It seems like we we are certainly celebrating entrepreneurship these days, which I think is exciting. And startups are 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 very sort of romanticized. And um, there's lots of different incubators and funds. How how does a company know, or how 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 do you um, coach a company to recognize? Okay, here's where you're at. Here's the kind of money you should be going after.
1: Sure. No, great question. And I think you know, there's a, there's a couple of things there. Is that it's really important for for entrepreneurs it is to kind of have a, you know, uh, an understanding of what it is that you're looking for. So just like when you're looking for a partner in life, right, and you want somebody that likes this and does this and shares common interests and whatever else, right? You know, it's it's similar as you're beginning to look for for a financial partner. And so I think in its most simple forms, the thing that people need to understand is they are, are they looking for a lender right? Or are they looking for an equity partner? And a lender doesn't just have to be your local bank or B of A or whoever it happens to be, right? A lender could be you know, the local old rich guy it is that's loaning you money or something like that, right? Or your brother-in-law or you know, a number of different ways it is that that can be done. There's lots of private lenders through the country, kind of like me, right? So there's a lot of choices there for borrowing money. Or you know looking at an equity partner and an equity partner again could be an angel investor a you know a rich uncle it could be a professional investor like you know a lot of the venture capitalists through the community you know from new york to boston to san francisco and otherwise but i think that it's important for people it is to understand actually who they're talking to and and each one of these people has different expectations based upon your conversation. And so if George and I, for our you know food business or snack business or whatever it is that we're doing or raising money, we need to understand that if we're going to go to an early stage guy, you know the, the local rich guy or angel network or whoever it is, and we're trying to raise 50 grand or 100 grand or a million bucks or whatever the number is, is that depending upon the stage of our business, typically the earlier stage of your business, regardless of how fancy you are, typically the earlier stage of the business, the perception from the investor is that there is a heightened degree of risk because your either product isn't totally baked, you haven't got to a situation to where it is that you've you know, got the revenue it is that you want, whatever, one thing or another, right? And so as a result of that investor coming in earlier, they're typically gonna want or demand or require a higher return expectation, right? That sure. only makes sense, right? Yeah. The higher the risk, you know, ideally the higher the return. And so some of these early stage investors and some of these guys like this, if they're coming in at, you know, pre-revenue or one thing or another, these guys are typically going to, uh, you know, an angel guy coming in is probably going to put in somewhere between, you know, anywhere from 25 grand up to maybe $250,000 for an early stage idea. That guy more often than not is probably looking for 20 to 30 times or greater on his money. Right. And so that may or may not be possible depending upon what it is that you do. As you begin to kind of move upstream in the equity markets, everybody's sort of venture capital or vulture capital, whatever you want to call them, right? And and a lot of these guys are, in, are are professional investors. They have a process. They, you know, look at deals like you and I and everybody that is listening to this have 100 times a day, right? And so it's, it's very, you either fit in the box or you don't kind of a thing. But for them, their metrics are typically, hey, I'm going to invest a little bit larger sums of money anywhere from... You know, uh, you know, a million maybe up to 10 or a little bit greater type money, right? But they're looking for kind of a 10 to 20 times multiple on their business and they're looking for that in kind of a two or three year period of time. And so they have certain metrics it is that they are managing to in order to drive those economics because they have investors too, right? Like you have to understand if it's not the local rich guy The guy that has a fund or one thing or another, venture capital, private equity, somebody like me, we have promises and obligations. It is to our investors to deliver a return. And so based upon the promises and obligations, it is that I have to them dictate a lot of times what it is that I'm able to do for you. Right. Does that make sense? It does. Totally. So I think people need to understand that there. And so the VC community is looking for a 20 to 30 times return in kind of a two or three year period of time. So if they invest in 10 different companies, I mean, the reality is of, of those companies, probably six of them are going to go to crap. Nothing's going to happen. They're going to lose all their money. Two or three of them will do pretty good. And hopefully one or two, they just totally shoot the lights out. And the value of that one or two shooting the lights out makes up for the other guys that, you know, bombed, Right. Um, the private equity folks are typically looking for, you know, a 15 to 20% IRR. They're investing larger sums of money in more established businesses, um, with the intent it is to add value reposition, do some financial engineering. It is to drive those economics. And so it's for investors, regardless of the, or for, for companies, regardless of the stage that they're in, it's you, you got to spend time knowing what it is that you want right and do you, do you want an equity are you looking to give up part of your business for some smart guy coming in giving you money if if that's okay great for me i've always viewed the world through a debt lens right it doesn't mean it is that i'm right it's just my opinion and so for me debt is like dating and equity is like getting married right and so the only person i wanted to be married to was my wife right i didn't i didn't want to have somebody else in my business telling me this that or the other thing right and so I always looked at, at at money and partnerships and that kind of a thing through a debt lens because if debt is like dating and two years from now we don't get along well guess what I don't have to date you anymore I can just <laughs> reiterate I can just refinance you out and I can date somebody else but if you choose an equity partner for your business it is really like choosing a spouse and for me, um, my wife has been fantastic. We've been married almost 25 years and she's just the coolest, hottest thing it is that I've ever seen. Right. And supports me and all the awesome. But I also know people that, that pick the wrong equity partner in life, right? They pick the wrong spouse. And, and, you know, if you have to go through a divorce in your marriage, just like a divorce in your business, um, it can be dreadful, right? Like it, it, If you pick the wrong person, you know, I mean, it can screw up your finances. It can screw up your business, screw up your kids, Screw right? Hey, picking the wrong business partner is the same way. And so I would tell people if they're going to go through the process of identifying an equity partner for their business, really be thoughtful of who that person is. Right. Really be take time to date. Right. Like, don't get married. Hey, I found a rich guy who's willing to give me money. Woo! Right. that That's going to be a really bad one night stand. You don't want to do that. Right. So um, I would tell you to, to, for folks it is that are going through that to really be thoughtful about the type of partner it is that they want.
0: And I would imagine that you've seen more often than not the the emotional side of our brains make terrible decisions in regard to this
1: hundred percent because we, we, all of us to a certain degree are romantic. Sure. You know, you and I, were, you and I were talking earlier. It is that, that, you know, one of the, one of the, the biggest things it is that I learned 20 years ago when I could, I could, I mean, literally I can tell you where I was, what I was wearing, the street I was on and the cigar I was smoking at the time, <laughs> right? Like mine is a monumental, right? And, um, uh, I learned it is uh, a friend of mine told me, don't ever forget that the contracts are for the divorce. They're not for the marriage. Hmm. And, I'm telling you, dude, it just stuck with me, and I have witnessed and I have seen that time and time again. Because all of us, as we enter a new deal, as we're as we're working on a new company, as we're advising this, as we're starting a new project, or starting a new business, or dating somebody new, it doesn't matter, right? At the at the first of it, it's all romantic. You know, it's all chocolates and flowers and sonnets and great sex and staying up late. <laughs> oh, it's wonderful, man! This dude, she's the one, right? You know. <laughs> But then like life happens, and in, in, in your business as you find the right partner and everything is great to start out with, it's great until you disagree. It's great until one of you gets sick and can no longer continue on with the business. It's great until uh, everything is fantastic and George and Jeremy are partners and then uh, Jeremy goes through a divorce and now George's partners not only with Jeremy but my wife. Mm. Wait, wait, hey, hold slow the flow, <laughs> right? You know, right? And so you just, you, you, one of the things that, that, you know, we talked to guys about is that you really got to think through and have a lot of the hard decisions up front while it's still romantic. Um, and it's going to save you a hell of a lot of pain later. It, it just, it, I, I, I just I've been doing this a long time man I promise you it will.
0: And as you're describing all that it certainly makes it makes perfect sense. Um and we I think that everybody's heard about terrible business breakups and the reason you have buy sell agreements but I don't know that I've ever thought about it from the terms of, you know, raising money. So if you're going to be looking for for funds, you know, equity is is like is like marriage and and debt is more like dating so i think that that's very helpful and then the value that you're bringing is that you've been there and you've done it and 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 you've seen it so many times so you can coach people through those those blind spots and those pitfalls
1: yeah i mean i i hope so and, and i feel like it is that we do i think a lot of guys in the credit space which is where it is that we exist or are, are really excited it is to not only raise money right um, but they're excited to put money out because they get to earn fees and then they get on to the next deal and that's great. Um, we do about the opposite of that in our structure. But the, the things ultimately is that, you know we go back to that integrity gap between the story it is that you tell publicly and the operations it is that you have privately. And the companies it is that, that, that investors are, are, are deploying capital to need you. They, they may not know it, but they need more than just money. And so for us, one of the things it is that I've been very firm about since the very start of this is that if the only value it is that I'm bringing to a company is a checkbook, um, I shouldn't give them money and they shouldn't take it, <laughs> right? Because it, 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 if that's all it is, then we're commoditizing my value and, and I don't want to ever be in that situation, right? If, if, there is not, if there is not additional value it is that I can have, Um, That's accretive to your business and the growth and the problems and the things it is that you're going through over the next two or three or Four years if the only value that I bring is a checkbook, I shouldn't give you money Then you shouldn't take it. I want to. We want to be more than that I want to change how it is that people set the bar for what it is Not only the expectations for how it is that we're working with and delivering to our investors But ultimately the experience it is that our portfolio have portfolio companies it is have with us as as operators and lenders
0: Well said well, Jeremy, Savage Nation is ready for your difference-making tip. What do you have for them?
1: You know what? I, uh, I think really it is. is—it's it's, Remember, the contracts are for the divorce. They're not for the marriage, right? Like we, we, we all believe it is the best in people because human nature, we want to do that. You have to realize it is that there are going to be hard times in each of your businesses, regardless of what it is that those are. And if you have those conversations up front, throughout the course of your business as you go and have challenges it will it will save you a ton of heartache i just i promise you it will
0: well, like that is great stuff that definitely gets a come on come on life's all about expectations man <laughs> <laughs> jeremy thank you so much for coming on where can savage nation learn more about you and how can investors and potential partners or um, people looking for money find you
1: Sure. Thanks, George, for asking. So, uh, you know, it's Jeremy B. Hill on LinkedIn. You can uh, look us up on the web at jb-capital.com. We run a national podcast as well called The Jeremy B. Hill Show. Uh, You're more than welcome to reach out to us anywhere. So if people want to get in touch with us, they can go there. They're more than welcome to reach directly out to you, George, and you can put them in contact with us. But uh, if there's anything it is that we can do that help, or if you just need a, a sounding board for some ideas you're working on, we're happy to help if we can.
0: Love it. Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Jeremy your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. You can find Jeremy on LinkedIn at Jeremy B. Hill. Go to JBCapital.com and then check out the podcast. I will list all those in the notes of the show. Thank you again, Jeremy.
1: Hey, enjoyed it. Thanks so much for having me, George.
0: And until next time, keep fighting the good fight because we are all in this together. Spending too much time on social.